This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Coming up on On the Mark with Mark Carmen, the Chicago Bulls have drafted Kobe White out of North Carolina. He's on the podcast. So is Cam Reddish headed to the Atlanta Hawks. Ian Levy, senior NBA editor of the Step Back, recaps the draft. And yes, we talk about the Rolling Stones, intermittent fasting, and Cam Newton trying to upgrade on a flight. On the Mark with Mark Harmon starts right now. Welcome in on the Mark with Mark Carmen. Big show today. Kobe White coming up. Cam Reddish coming up. Ian Levy, senior NBA editor at the Step Back. All right, I want to start with the NBA draft. Kobe White to the Bulls was somebody that I wanted, I was excited about. I love his story. Guy lost his father. He's playing for his dad. FMF has his hashtag for my father. He's a point guard. The Bulls need a point guard. He's from North Carolina. He scored more points than Michael Jordan in high school. He scored more points than Michael Jordan as a freshman. He's a humble kid. So I think the Bulls did uh, very well, and I'm looking forward to seeing him play. Hi, Ashley. How are you? I'm great, Mark. How are you? I'm excited uh, to talk to Kobe today. Looking forward to having him on the podcast here. We talked to him before the draft, so he did not know that he would be a Chicago Bull, but I'm pretty certain, remembering the interview off the top of my head, that I did indeed ask him about playing in Chicago, and I think he was fairly excited about that possibility. Uh, The thing that's going on in the weekend that I want to start the show with, the Rolling Stones (laughs) are in Chicago right now. Now, I first saw the Stones back when I was, say, 20, 21, 22. No, 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 that's wrong. I was 28, 29, somewhere in there. I, got, I remember it by the girlfriend I was dating at the time, which was <laughs> Alyssa. 
and 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 Alyssa had a ticket to the show. I did not have a ticket to the show. I was vending mm. at what is, was then Comiskey Park is now guaranteed right field. So I was vending the concert. They didn't allow us to vend during the concert. You were only allowed to vend for the pre-show. So I was out there in my yellow shirt looking ridiculous because the White Sox make you wear terrible clothing. Cubs clothing is much better, a nice blue. I'm out there, I'm selling, and then I took off my shirt and I snuck down into the crowd and watched the Rolling Stones. That was my Rolling Stones viewing experience. I don't really remember any of the show (laughs) other than being terrified that I was going to get caught. Are you a Stones fan? I am not, no. A little bit, no. It's like my mom's music. I know it's classic. I'm not not knocking it. I'm just saying I'm not a fan. Well, they're in Chicago at at Soldier Field, and I think the average crowd is in the 60s. They're pretty old. I was walking down, uh, like, downtown Chicago, and there was two little old ladies in, like, T-shirts from the concert, like the tour T-shirt you buy from the vendors there. And how old were they? Oh, they they could have been, like, my grandmother. They were were old. Am I older than your mother? No, 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 no. I'm not older than your mother? So. I don't okay. think so. Okay, well, I'm 45. It's your mom. No, your my mom is not. My mom's so. older than... I mean, I could then be I'm going to date my mom. I mean, I could be older than your mom. I mean, it, it's unlikely, but right. I just feel, felt like I needed to ask But the thought that. of, like, these little old women going to the concert and, like, having a night out is amazing to me. Right, and they're, you know, they're probably smoking weed and getting drunk, and they're 60. And... I can only hope so, yeah. Right, right. These women look like, like, upwards 70, 75 years old. Can you name a Rolling Stone song? A song? Yes. Can you name one Rolling Stone song? What was that? Satisfaction. Hunter's telling you that. That doesn't count. I like know who the Rolling Stones are. I'm not... It's just, you're not on the firing block here, by the I, way. I feel like I'm being uh, pressured into this. Well, I am pushing it a little hard here. But the, the point is that I would think that you would know, I can't get no... Oh, okay, yeah. I'm familiar. Okay. So if you're a Stones fan, and you're going to see the Stones... And, and this is the, maybe the, the last time you're going to see him. I mean, Mick's 75, right? He's, Didn't he just have, have heart surgery or something? Had heart surgery. Goes out, gives 120,000% every time he's out there dancing around. Keith Richards looks like he should be in the ground right now. I mean, these guys are not going to last that much longer. Wouldn't you want to hear some of the... A classic, but not necessarily, I can't get no or jumping Jack Flash. Wouldn't you want to hear... Something a lot. You're not going to know any of these songs, but wouldn't you want to hear like like a rainbow mm. or just something off the beaten path that okay. you wouldn't play every single day? Give me a let it loose off of Exile on Main Street. Give me anything that you haven't heard the seventeen thousand other times you went and saw them. They started with uh, they started with. Uh, Street Fighting Man, and Let's Spend the Night Together. You probably even know that. Let's spend the night together. Now that they did more than ever. I, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're all fine, but like, I, I, he, he finished it up with Gimme Shelter. That's awesome. Classic. But like, I got in an argument with somebody like, would you, like when you play I Can't Get No to, to wrap it up. It's just it's such a letdown. Yeah, I feel that. And 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 to not go like like to I, I would want to like attack if I was the Stones, mm-hmm. if I was Dire Straits, if I was whatever, if the Beatles were still running around. Paul McCartney is. I would want to like I would want like the the real diehard to hear something. You know what? You know what a diehard would want to hear tonight? This. I wouldn't you know rather than playing to the populace. Okay. And for the and then for a diehard Stones fan to be going out there and wanting to hear I can't get no, you shouldn't be allowed in the you should not be allowed in the stadium. What? You're, you're, it's be, a good song though. Like yeah. you want to hear those. It's a good song that you've heard a zillion times. I don't have so But many, how many times have you heard it live? 
We're not talking like at the dentist's office four when times. it's playing. Four times. You've four's, heard what? But four's enough? Four's enough. Okay. <laughs> I just, I don't get it. Like, why, why would you, like, I, I okay. I, maybe I'm making too big of a deal about this, but I just. I, for someone that wasn't there, I'm impressed by how strongly you feel about this. Well, because, I, listen, my, my favorite band is, is Dire Straits, and, Mark, and, and so Mark Knopfler's the lead singer there. Mark Knopfler, Dire Straits broke up a long time ago. Mark Knopfler's put out like eight, eight albums for those who are listening on the podcast and can't see us, which is everyone. Ashley is now frantically Googling who the hell Mark Knopfler is, <laughs> yeah, like, uh, which is fine. What's their Ro- biggest like song? Like Romeo and Juliet uh, would be. Sultans of Swing, uh, Walk of Life, So Far Away. Like, I wouldn't want to hear any of those. I'd want to hear Down to the Waterline. I'd want to hear Southbound again. I do want to hear, I want to hear, like, uh, How Long, How Long, How Long, Baby, How Long Has It Been? Like, something something that would speak to the heart, where I'd be weeping in the last row here, like, oh, my God, thank God they played How Long. That's so amazing. Love you, Mark Knopfler. Versus... Do you think they remember these songs or maybe they only remember the classics at this point no, i mean i think they still know them i mean it doesn't even have to be played perfectly just let me hear you sing it man one time and then like then and that's a memorable moment in concert time that is a memorable right. have you ever cried at a concert mm, i definitely cried the first time i went to see Knopfler in the riverside theater in milwaukee uh which was i never thought i'd see the guy mm-hmm. live he hadn't he, because Dire Straits was over, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden he started making solo albums, so okay. it was a surprise. And now here he is playing, and then he starts off with uh, "On Every Street," which is a ridiculously phenomenal song. It's your face I'm looking for on every street. It starts real slow. I'm like, oh my god, he's playing on every street. This is amazing. The tear just yeah. fall down your cheek. And I just remember being uh, drinking way too much whiskey and <laughs> and running back and forth for, to the bathroom and just having a great, <laughs> great time. Uh, and just being so happy that, oh my God, I'm getting to see Knopfler and this is great. He's in his 60s now. He's coming to the Chicago Theater in September. Okay, I'll have uh, to check him out. I mean, it might be worth it for you. I don't know. You want to saw country if you like. I love all music. I yeah. really do. I mean, you're not going to jump up and down at a Mark Knopfler concert. That's okay. I mean, I mean you want to play Start Me Up, Stones, that's cool. I would way, way rather hear um, something just a little bit more off the beaten path. Even like Beast of Burden, give me something along those. Or Ruby Tuesday, which wasn't... I mean, here was the list. Um, Street Fighting Man, Let's Spend the Night Together, Tumbling Dice. How long was the show? I don't know they did, did twenty songs. I mean, Mick plays for a long time. Yeah, it's a long show. I mean, he's he's a force. Which, uh, as we wrap up the Stones talk, I did that night vending. We're underneath uh, where the vendors gather mm-hmm. in the old tunnel, you know, underneath the stadium. If anybody has ever been to these things, and there, and Mick just goes riding by on a golf cart, and it's you know, it's Mick Jagger. And That's it's, pretty cool. Yeah, and it, and like, and my friend's like Mick, <laughs> <laughs> and he gave him the wave. I'm like Mick Jagger waved at you, dude. That was. Kind of cool, um, so that's anyway. incredible. I love the Stones. Is the is the is the wrap up on this? I just if I just if the old man on the lawn play stuff that's play like three of the popular songs and everything else should be like random. Seventeen random songs. They did twenty songs. You want three? Yeah, three. Only so, three. How about like ten and ten? A nice mix. Okay, fine. Ten and ten. You got me. I feel like fifteen five would be ideal. I mean, I don't want you to pick songs that are not popular. I do you have a right. you're the Rolling Stones. You have a hundred popular songs. Just you know, true. I just I would want them to ro- just rotate through. Okay, which is a little bit more for the band, and these guys are old and whatever they have their <laughs> That's plans. That's what I mean. They are so old. Yeah, I don't know if they have it in them to like mix up the set list every night, and they, they that's m- asking a lot. They might not. All right, let's move on. Uh, we are gonna let's talk about dieting. It's very exciting for for on the mark with uh, Mark Carmen <laughs> dieting. 
when we were doing the show last week, mm-hmm. I, I said I got beef with intermittent fasting. You were fuming. You yeah, were pissed because, about this. Because like anybody can make up a diet nowadays. Here's a diet. How's this? You eat and then you stop eating for a long period of time and then you eat again. Do that. And you're and 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 now I'm rich because I just created the you eat for you can eat these hours can't eat then okay but how are you rich no one's paying you for this diet plan because now the people are like somebody's getting rich on intermittent fasting somebody who invented whoever invented intermittent fasting is now it's like, like an ancient practice fasting is like no one invented it it's been passed on through like society for hundreds and thousands of years some doctor is people are like going to him right now and he's getting paid god knows how much money because he told people to intermittent fast and people like you Ashley, i do it i do do it i will go to bat for this fasting i swear by it how many days a week do you intermittently fast it's the one i do is where you only eat for a certain period of time during the day isn't that the only one that is the intermittent no some people like will eat for some days and then like not eat the next day there's different all different ways to do it so you do the don't eat for 16 hour thing. yeah yeah mm-hmm. and what's happened to you so i just feel like i feel better it gives your a digestive system time to like regroup your body's not always working to process food so you think this is actually happening is, i do you don't I think do. it's you don't think it's the placebo effect no not at all you think you feel better a thousand and ten percent are you less tired absolutely say i look at you i think you're tired all the time okay well that's just rude <laughs> <laughs> you worked you work two jobs you're well, always that's work. just rude okay i get it okay but uh, am i um, don't we always talk about like let's oh, so it's such a good thing to take a car nap but yeah i do love a good car nap right. i am so, tired but you're intermittently fasting how that's you true use, how it's you, also because i'm sleeping four hours a night right but but if you were intermittently fasting and it was amazing then maybe you wouldn't even need the rest would you ashley so i think you're calling me tired and fat you're saying this diet isn't working that i'm not well rested and i'm not losing weight so i said nothing about weight yeah okay i I, I I don't know it's implied no it's implied it's implied mark carmen just called me tired and fat i think we should take this up with hr this is a hostile work environment that is untrue we could all check the anything else you want to tell me well hold on no i want to be sold tell me Tell me why, give, give me a reason why I should do it. Um, okay. So like I said, I feel like it gives you time for your digestive system to like reset. See, I, t- I talked to Doc most today. He goes on WGN radio all the time. And mm-hmm. I asked him about intermittent fasting, mm-hmm. hoping that he would say that it's total BS. And he's like, nah, it's great. It's great. He, I'm telling you, it's great. Doc most is in, you're in, everyone's in. So what time do you start eating? So I don't eat until like lunch at 2 p.m. Okay. And then you eat till 10 at night? Yeah. Well, because I work till like till midnight. Night. So my night's a little shifted. It, Some people say you can't drink coffee or tea where like I'll drink black coffee for breakfast and that doesn't break your fast. How many coffees will you have before 2 p.m.? Two, on your or, four two hours, or three, so, probably. Two, two or three coffees. Yeah. And then what so do you- that's probably not healthy is all the coffee intake, but... Probably not, but that's got nothing. That's to beside do. the point. Yeah, right. I would just appreciate if people are listening to the podcast uh, <laughs> and, uh, to to please tweet me uh, and tell me if you're an intermittent faster or not. Um, I will do my best to reward you for the tweet, and I just want to know what you eat. Like, what if this really is a thing in my life? My life is. I'm going to be a healthier karma if I do this. Yeah. Do you ever have tummy woes? Like stomach gets upset. Tummy woes. Yeah, like tummy troubles, <laughs> if you will. 
I mean, I have the rare tummy trouble where right? I feel... Where you like I, sprint up to the bathroom. Like, it gets rid of all of that. Well, like it, it gets rid of that. It gets rid of that, You're saying yeah. that I'm no longer going to have tummy like troubles. Like, on, sudden onset stomach troubles, yeah. Okay, see... Because your digestive system is, like, rested and it's prepared to consume food. It's not constantly being worked. A rested digestive yeah. system. Okay. I swear by it. Life-changing. Okay. What about here? Here's my diet. Let me see if you can get on okay. board with this. You, 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 for two hours, you don't eat. And then in two hours, you have a snack. And then two hours later, you, you, don't, you don't eat for two more hours. Then you have another snack. And then in two hours later, you have another snack. And then you have a meal. And then, and then the rest, Alex, by the way, is watching this and she's like the expert dieter in here and she's totally with it. And, and, and so when I'm That's hungry, also like fasting, cause you're controlling like when you're eating and you're intaking food. Uh, right. But, yeah. uh, but, but so what's, what, why can't, why can't I have an apple or a kind bar or something? The kind bar is probably too much sugar and granola in there, <laughs> but why can't I just do that versus the intermittent fast? And I'll still feel fresh and, and I don't, my body will not have. Um, and by the way, I'm about 10 pounds overweight just for, for, just for, for context. For, just, just, yes, for, that's why we do radio. We look tired. We're overweight. I got it, Carm. Right. I, I mean, got I'm it. A, I'm generally in bad shape. I got a physical <laughs> coming up in August. I think I'm, I think I'm, my hypertension is up. I, 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 I got lots of things going on. I just got a thing in the mail, by the way, that I'm due for my next colonoscopy. Wonderful. Did you want to know that? I did. I would love to go with you. You need a ride. I'm looking at, yeah. You're too young to have had a colonoscopy. I'm assuming you don't have any cancer in the, uh, family or do you? Um, I'd... Too personal? <laughs> it's like a turn. I've never had a colonoscopy, no. Okay. So this is my second colonoscopy. How, how'd you like it? So how I did it treat it was, you? I actually thought it was amazing. Really? I highly recommend a colonoscopy. Uh, you, you, <laughs> you, the, the process leading up to it, it's not as bad as they say. It's not completely pleasant. Okay. But you, you, <laughs> you, you feel like when you know that you're completely cleaned out there, mm-hmm. it's, it's, a, it's a good feeling. Like, oh, wow, look at that. A fresh start. I'm, I'm, I'm all, right. I'm ready to go. All, I could intermittently fast right now from day one if that makes any sense i'm not looking forward to it for what it's worth but that was comforting that you didn't completely hate your experience no and then you get in there you're 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 in the the prep room Mm -hmm. right uh they say we're gonna wheel you in and you're and you're not (laughs) going to remember much you go in for the colonoscopy next thing you know you're back in your room that's it like there you don't even know what just happened or what they saw or what they did and flipped you over the whole thing but it's just it's just it's just over like That's i didn't wonderful. and then you like you feel like oh thank god you know i i did this mm-hmm. i hopefully nothing bad happened and uh you're not you have to get somebody to pick you up but you know right i mean you get out of a day of work you don't have to see you know myself or anybody the crew, else. yeah right and you just and, and you did something good, so I recommend the colonoscopy. Uh, and everyone should get one, right? Forty-five. That's when they say you're supposed to get one. Right. Well, I think it's fifty if you don't. I have think to they knocked it down. Yeah. Oh, did they really? Mm-hmm, no. Because okay. people were getting not great results at fifty that they could have found sooner. So I think my rant on the stones was better than my rant on intermittent fasting. And see, now I see. I was over the stones, but you, okay. You also call me fat, so okay. I did. I did not call you fat. Not letting you live that down. Right, call look, me tired. Before we get to uh, our our friend Kobe White, who joins us on the podcast next, I want to talk about Cam Newton. Who have you ever gone overseas? I have. Yeah. Where have you been? I've been to a couple places. Like, like I've been to Italy and oh. France. And oh wow! Okay, so I've been to Italy. I've been England, to Spain. I've been, I to been to Spain. I've been to Israel. Those are my three. Okay. Been to, been to Denmark. Uh, and been, I, Mexico, Mexico doesn't count. What's that? 
Oh, no, I've been to China. I've been to China. Why did you go to China? I went to China for um, courtesy of Fan Sided, uh, like a four day trip to China. That was incredibly, that was just. Um, I'm sorry. Wait, what? Yeah, well, I, I, I was, this was, this was way back in the infancy days of infancy days of my career at fan side okay. and an opportunity came along to cover the laureus sports awards and uh but what yeah right exactly the laureus <laughs> sports award they wanted some people to uh come out to cover so i was selected as an incredible judger of laureus and so i flew to shanghai um which was an awesome experience loved it and i'd go back again although china is is a different land like you don't I, say. I mean it. Well, like if you go, listen. If you wait, go, did you go by yourself? Yes. I, <laughs> so they sent. I did. Just to be clear, they sent you to Shanghai. Yeah. By yourself. Yes. For three days. For three days. Yes. I Doesn't it take like a day to get there? Yes, I extended. I extended. <laughs> I extended the trip on my own dime for a couple of days because I figured I'm going You're to right. China. Okay. I might as well, you know, try to try. Solo dolo. Right. But okay. so you go to China. It's intimidating by yourself. Yeah. 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 I've, Sure, it, I, I guess a drop. But you. But here's the thing: you go to Mexico. Been to Mexico, yeah. Right, things look familiar, right? They, they, even if they're speaking Spanish, mm-hmm. it, it looks like English. You go to China, uh, the language is completely different. You you have no breaking uh, news here on the podcast, right? But, but I just but like China, the well, language is different. Well, it's like if you go to Mexico, no, though, you can like see it's English or yeah, English characters. There's yeah, yeah. in most places there's just like English, like American friendly stuff all right. over the place. China, not the case. You're in China, so I mean, I'm sitting there at the you know, I go out for my first meal. My phone, my cell phone doesn't work. I can't get on Facebook. <laughs> I'm looking at the menu. There, I have no idea what any of these things are. <laughs> so I have to point chicken right there. Like, I, yeah. you, can't, you can't communicate. I've never experienced that before except going It's to almost paralyzing. It was. Yeah. And I'm like, well, what am I going to do now? I'm just going to like, the only thing you can do is like walk around the streets. And like, and how do you, it's, and not, you know, I, I was having a, hard, a little bit of a hard time getting around, but then mm. I. Had a friend over there, and he took me around, and we had some amazing sashimi. And you know what you do in China, like, or at least what I did with him. We went and we got. The- what did you do with your friend in China? <laughs> well, it was just I thought it was just something I would never have done here. We went, we went for dinner. Okay. We went for dinner, and he's like, he's like, have you gotten a foot rub yet? I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, no, I have not. Did and you we- rub your feet at so- dinner? <laughs> we went for this like. Like ama- it was such an amazing experience. Like, it was, like who's open at ten o'clock at night? You know, where that like that's like a normal custom. I mean, so, yeah, I, I, am, I, I need more details. Some? Yeah. So you're at dinner and he asked you if you've gotten a foot rub yet. Have you have you gotten the tr- traditional like foot rub at ten thirty at night, eleven o'clock at night? And so we go and we sit in this place. You know, it's what open. does it look like? Right? There's a bunch just, of chairs. It's, it's, it's a private room. I'd say most similar to like, you're a massage guy. I am, but like this was like. You know, maybe ten chairs in a row. Mm-hmm. It's super nice in there. Okay. At least the one that we went to was. And uh, you know, it's just you're having a conversation. I, I I I walked out of there. I was so relaxed. It was it was just an amazing experience. I'm like, why can't they? Why don't they do this in the U.S.? And they sort of do, but not like this. Not like it, that. It, it was it was really high class and an amazing experience. And I thank uh, Carl Carl Karani for that very much. So if he's listening to the podcast i'm sure carl you should yeah let him know right uh the, so the point of all this is that cam newton, cam newton by the way let's circle back cam newton was flying back on an overseas flight he's coming back from france okay so it's your cam newton why are you not sitting in first class i don't know but he was sitting in coach 
And Cam Newton is 6'5", weighs 245 pounds. He's cramped in coach. If you missed the story, he walks into first class. He offers $1,500 to the first class person. I think he was in the first row. Oh, because... Oh, okay. He offered. Oh, right. I'm sorry. He offered 1,500 bucks to the person sitting in the first row of coach, where there's extra leg room, to have his seat mm-hmm. for this overseas flight. Now you're coming back from France, so it's about a, it's call it an eight hour flight, roughly. Right. It's not 18. It's eight. I know that's it's a, doable. Right. So call it. It's Hunter saying it's a 10 hour flight. Okay. So call it 10 hours. So the person who's offered in coach, by the way, now that actually changes the story a little bit. Offered in coach 1500 bucks says no to Cam Newton. And so Cam's got to sit in coach and live the dream and, and be cramped coming back here. Now, there's a whole lot of questions. I got on, a lot of questions. Right. Yeah. You know, why not pay for first class or Cam Newton? All that stuff. Take a different flight if you couldn't right. get it. But I want to focus on the, the, in my mind, the dipshit that's sitting in front row and is offered 1500 bucks. To have your legs cramped for eight hours or ten hours, and you're saying no to that? I suppose if you're super rich, I get it. Yeah. But, but this dude's sitting in coach. You're... See, I would have said you're Cam Newton. You can give me more than $1,500 okay, so for price? a 10-hour flight. What's the price? Five grand. $5,000. He, he can do that. He could Venmo me right there on the plane. Okay, hold on a second. That's Ash- nothing to him. Ashley, I want you to be 100% honest. Swear What is $1,500, like, re- realistically? Okay. But, like, okay. a month of rent? You know what I mean? Like, is it worth it? Sure, he can afford it. But, it's, but to you, if somebody said to you, Ashley, I'm going to give you 1500 bucks to move back three rows, are you really saying no? Maybe, yeah. For a 10-hour flight? Oh, my God. Really? Yeah. I would try to haggle. I'd be like, you're going to bribe me to go sit back there? Okay, so and I probably paid for the legroom. If I'm sitting somewhere with legroom, I already paid for it. Okay, so I made the conscious decision to sit there. So you counter with five thousand, he comes back two thousand. What do you say to, that? That's rude to go from five to two. So you'd say that's rude. It's like a pride thing at that point. I don't think I would right. do it. Would you though? But see, that's the whole point. You'd be like, yeah, thanks for the cash, man. That's that's my whole point on this. This this person in the front row who I just called a mm-hmm. dipshit, I'll call it again, was all about pride and didn't want to give in and there's peer pressure there and didn't want to take the money. Or and, he, maybe he didn't need the money and he's like insulted by it. Okay, if you don't need the money, how about they give it to somebody who does need the money? That's 1500 bucks that Cam Newton just gave you that you could donate to charity or do anything that you want with. Oh, <laughs> I, you know, I'm the first person to be like, we should, people need to be more charitable and help people who need it. I'm not sitting. I paid for that seat. I'm not moving so that this oversized oh. man that has the money and the assistance to take whatever flight he wants to take. It's not my fault. You screwed up your booking. I, I'm not, I'm not doing, don't do it for Cam. Don't do it for anybody. You're doing Why it do for I you. have to play the hero to be bribed to move my seat? Wanna, okay. He probably paid money for that seat. Then I would have said, hey, Cam or, or, or Robert or Bill or Susan or whoever, uh, Let's let's go to uh, two grand. Let me get let me up you five hundred bucks on your offer. Let me get two grand out of you, and you're in. Two grand's a great counter because he probably at that point is going to do it. And if yeah. he doesn't do it, then I probably I'm like, all right, man, give me the fifteen. That's probably how I. That's that's you're probably what I would so do. So nice, and that's going to charity, right? No, that's what we should do with I, this money. No, it's going right in my pocket. No, 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 no. But I'm saying that if that person is sitting there like, ah, I don't need the money. Yeah. Well, then, then give. Also, then give, like, if anyone wants to give me fifteen hundred dollars, let's be clear. I'm not going to say no to it. I'll take it. I'm not. All it is got, a good chunk of change. All you got to do is move back to for two ten row. hours. What if you're stuck between like a smelly fat dude and like a screaming child now okay. with no leg room for the, ten hours? He was on the aisle for the record, and I didn't see any smelly fat dudes or screaming childs. 
I've sat next to both and it's awful. Different story. Awful. hundred percent agree with you. You got it's so bad. You got a guy who's uh, or or a woman who's spilling over into your seat. Different mm-hmm. story. <laughs> Kid crying. Different story. Hundred percent agree. In this in this particular scenario. Uh, didn't look like that. Uh, Cam strategy, although was terrible. You're Cam Newton. <laughs> go to the go get on the flight that you uh, done yeah, a different flight. Man. Another flight. It's but not I, the, I'm, but whatever. I, I, but I don't I'm know. What, maybe he he didn't know where he was sitting. He didn't look at the seat, which is poor prep by Cam. Or his like their assistant booked the flight. Right. The, the assistant probably is already fired. Now has no job. Yeah. Right. She's probably on the first boat to China, and will be getting that foot rub with whatever. Yeah. Sexist. His assistant's a woman. She. Do we is, know that? I don't I, know. You okay. said she. Well, okay. I, I I apologize. Could have been a he. Could have been a he. I'm guessing that it's a she for Cam, but it, maybe it was a he. Very, we don't know. We very, don't know. Uh, we do not know. You're absolutely right. All right. Uh, th- thank you for talking me through this. Uh, let's, <laughs> let us move on to our NBA draft talk. Uh, Kobe White is a Chicago Bull, pick number seven out of North Carolina. The Bulls were dying for a point guard. They got him. This was Kobe White uh, with yours truly before the draft. Out of the University of North Carolina, Kobe White headed to the NBA. He's going to be wearing a sweet J.C. Penney uh, suit. But I got to start, Kobe. March 5th, you passed Michael Jordan for the most points as a freshman in Tar Heel history. I grew up on Michael Jordan. That is my past. So I've got beef with you. Congratulations on that. That's a, that's a big-time guy to pass. Yeah, for sure. You know, he's... he's- you know, the greatest to ever do it. So, you know, it was a blessing, but, you know, I, I appreciate it. And you passed him in high school as well, most points uh, before before getting to Carolina. You, you sure you don't have beef with MJ? Nah, nah, I'm pretty sure MJ probably didn't even know I did what I did. So. <laughs> <laughs> have Have you met him? Who, who, have you, who have you met of the Carolina Legends? Um, I've met, you know, uh, Brandon Felton, you know, obviously Sean May, Kendall Marshall, but, you know, um, Bob McAdoo. Okay. Um, I met, yeah, I met, a, I met, you know, quite a few, especially when the reunion weekend came. Right. So. W- would Coach tell you stories about, you know, a young Mike or whoever, Kenny Smith, a lot of guys? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he definitely told stories about Mike all the time, about how hard he worked and, how he, you know, had the drive and the passion to be the best, even when he was at North Carolina. So he definitely told a bunch of stories about Michael Jordan. Right, Kobe. They they call you a, a three-level score. You can you can get all the way to the bucket. You got the mid-range game. You can stop and pull up, and and you and you got the three-point line as well. Where where do you enjoy scoring from most? If you had to n- nail it down. Um, if I had to nail it down, the one exact spot I pretty sure. My first part of score is around the arc, you know, around kind of three-point line, going around there. Um, you know, I can, I can really shoot the ball, so, you know, my favorite shot is shooting three, and, you know, three is worth more than two. So. <laughs> that, that's Carolina math right there. That's, that, that's super strong. <laughs> <laughs> How much did, uh, did playing on the uh, under-18 national team help you to get ready to play college ball and – you know, I don't know, have some confidence right now that, you know, when you're playing against the best like that, you got a shot at uh, being successful in the NBA. Um, it, it helped me, you know, playing that team helped me a lot. You know, it definitely, you know, it taught me how to play with other talent, you know, you know, uh, playing with other kids that, you know, 
had the same caliber of me and everyone in the team, you know, going high major division one. So it definitely helped me make the transition easier from high school to college just because I had already played on the team with a bunch of other great players. So I feel like that it helped me in that aspect. Yeah. Now you get criticized a little bit for having a, a or at least a concern that you've got this low release on your jumper. And I'm looking at guys uh, who are pretty successful in the league who, you know, I know Steph Curry doesn't exactly release it super high and he's successful. Do you, do you, is this something that you're trying to alter to maybe get a higher release point? Or are you comfortable with where you're shooting it? No, I'm very comfortable with how I shoot now. I don't plan on, you know, changing it in any way. Um, you know, it's been working for me for this far, so I'm going to keep going with it. You know, a lot of it does have a lot of doubts from people, but I mean, I haven't. You know, seeing where my shot, I couldn't get it off at any times. I think, with, especially, you know, me standing at 6'5", really helps me a lot with it, you know, being a low-release point. Yeah. Does your hair get too much or not enough credit? I mean, I, I love the look that you bring on the table. You don't see that every day. Um, to be honest, I think it got too much. Uh-huh. Um, sometimes, you know, every a lot of people talk about it, and sometimes it kind of gets annoying. But... uh you know, it was fun though. You know, to you know to hear your hair talking about that much. It makes, I think it makes you, you know, it makes me unique and, and different from everybody else. So, from that aspect of it, I loved it. But sometimes, you know, you get tired of hearing about it. Yeah, I, I figured that might be the case. That's why I kind of lightly brought it up. I just wanted to know how old were you when you first started with this look? Um, when I was, uh, I first started growing it out when I was a freshman in high school. Okay. And ever since then, you know, I've never, you know, it's been long and and stuff so like that's when I first started it and then you know ever since then I just kept it the way it was. Was that because of a girl or what was the mo what was the motivation? Nah I had had long hair uh I mean I had short hair my whole life and then once I got to high school that's that's the era when everybody started growing out their hair and starting to you know do stuff like that and so I was like you know maybe I'm gonna just grow mine out and you know my, my mom my mom really liked it my dad didn't but also my mom really liked it and uh so, you know, I just started growing it out more and more. And, you know, it got to the point where everybody loved it. And so I just decided to keep it. Dad wasn't on board, huh? Nah, not really. He thought I should cut it. <laughs> At the beginning he did, but then he kind of just accepted it that I wasn't going to cut it. So. Yeah. Yeah, well, uh, that that can be like a little, I don't know, sort of reminder about your dad. I, I know that uh, he passed away back in 2017. Uh, I lost a parent at a young age, Kobe, so I, I know how challenging that is. And I'm, I'm, this has got to be, you know, on draft night, I assume he's going to be right there on your heart. Yeah, you know, like draft night, I'm actually, you know, with, uh, partnered with J.C. Penny in there, you know, customized my suit. So it's going to have, on the inside, it's going to have um, cancer ribbons to support, you know, the cancer awareness. But, you know, also to mem uh, remembering my dad and, you know, just, you know, have him with me there on draft night. That's 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 a beautiful thing. And uh, if people don't know about your dad, he he was a hooper, played for North Carolina Central from you know early, in the early '70s. Uh, and I know that uh, you know he, he's a, he's somebody that uh, meant a ton to you. How, how did he help you get to this point, Kobe? What would you say? I think just showing me, you know, showing me, uh, you know, just how to be a man, and you know that. You're going to have to work for everything you get in life. You know, you have to earn it. Nothing's given to you. So, you know, he just showed me what hard work and what dedication looks like. And I just try to, you know, follow him every day. And, you know, he just, you know, lived through him. And, you know, he taught me how to, taught me, you know, how to live. And he raised me to be a, a, a very good young man. So, I mean, I don't think anyone could have raised me as better, you know, better than what he did.
And you, you use the hashtag FMF uh, on, on all your, your Twitter posts. And by the way, you got a ton of really good, heartfelt stuff out there. I, I'm super impressed by what you're, a lot of the stuff you're talking about. Talk about that FMF and what that means for you. Well, once you, once you, um, once you passed, I kind of came up, you know, with, with the help of my family, so I kind of came up with a little hashtag to remember them by, and, and it's FMF, and it stands for, like, for my father. And, you know, the main reason behind it was, you know, that, Everything I do here on out, you know, in life, whether it's basketball or, you know, just in life, um, everything is for him. So, like, I'm, you know, everything I'm doing for him. So, like, playing basketball is for him or anything else, you know, I'm doing it, you know, for him. If you weren't going to be a hooper, what do you think you would have been? Uh, it definitely would have had to be something sports-related. <laughs> I know if I didn't want to hoop, I would, I would definitely be, I, you know, I'd be a scout. You know, um, I like to find talent, you know, search for talent and just, you know, look for kids, and, you know, especially those kids who, you know, maybe not get recognized, you know, as soon as they start playing, but, you know, just just to look for talent and, you know, be a scout or a coach one day. Fair enough, fair enough. Uh, so, Coach Williams, he, he was he, would you call him a father figure? I think, yeah, you know, not only for, you know, a father figure for me, but not only for me, but, you know, for a lot of players that came through or comes through the program. Um, coach Williams, you know, he tells you that, now, once you start on campus, you're not, you know, just just one of his players. You know, your your family to him, and we're all like his sons. So, you know, he treats us like family. He treats us like, you know, as if we're his kids. And you know, he he genuinely loves us, and he genuinely care about cares about us. So, you know, him for him, and I think me and him had a special relationship just because of what what I went through in high school and how he was always there for me. You know, he always checked with me, and then when I got there, he made sure that I was okay, and he always, you know, just was by my side, and, you know, I can't thank him enough for that. Yeah. How much have you heard about how that's different in the NBA? Because, you know, the, the professional ranks, coach is not, you know, sort of taking on that role. It's just, it's a it's a different animal. Yeah, um, I know that, uh, you know, a lot of people been telling me, but from just from my eyes and my perspective and what I see, like, you know, in the media and stuff like that, I know that the NBA is a business at the end of the day. It's nothing like college, you know. Owners and coaches, they got to do, at the end of the day, they got a family to feed and they got to do what's best for them and best for the team. So I know that, I know what it's like. It's, it's rough. It's the real world now. Um, you know, reality is, it's not college anymore, but I think I'm prepared for it. You know, that's what my parents raised me for. And I, I have a strong foundation behind me with those who are in my circle. So Yeah, you, I saw one quote where you were saying, you've been proving people wrong my whole life. And I'm not going to stop now. What do you mean by that? I just think, you know, my whole life I, I've had doubters. And people tell me what I can and can't do. So, you know, my whole people told me, you know, growing up that, you know, I wouldn't be, you know, where I am today. As in, you know, high school, people told me I wouldn't be a McDonald's All-American. People told me I wouldn't be a five-star recruit. You know, I, I did that in high school. I mean, college, people told me that I wouldn't start and I wouldn't come in and make a major impact. And, you know, I know Carolina just because of how close we even coach and, and the system he runs, well, you know, I proved people wrong with that. I came in, I started, and I was a big impact on the team. People told me that I'd be a multi-year guy. I'd be a four-year guy in North Carolina. Well, I'm here now, and, you know, I'm a one-and-done, and I'm in a top-ten draft pick, so. It's, congratulations. It's an incredible, I love your story. And do, do you, some people are saying that you got a promise in the top ten from one team. Do you? No, I don't have a promise. You know, it's just, I'm, I'm excited to be here. Um, whoever, you know, selects me on draft night, I'll be very excited to join, you know, the team and, and get to know the management. But, no, I do, I do not have a promise. 
Let me just wrap up with this then, Kobe. Chris Paul apparently is one of your mentors. What have you learned from CP3, one of the great point guards in the game? Um, he just, you know, taught me to end it out of the NBA. Um, you know, we have a special relationship. He taught me different stuff about basketball, but mainly stuff, you know, off the court, you know, how to manage yourself and how to, you know, just, you know, at the end of the day, you're here to play basketball. All the other stuff really, you know, doesn't matter and how to just, manage your life and, you know, manage your money and stuff like that. So he just gives me advice um, on the bunch of stuff on the court, but, you know, more importantly, a lot of stuff off the court. But your favorites are Damian Lillard and Kyrie Irving, right? Yeah, those are my, probably my favorite players. <laughs> well, we'll see where Kyrie ends up. You got a prediction on that? No, nah, I don't. You know, wherever he goes, I know I'll, I'll be rooting for him. Well, you're going to be going past him, Kobe. You're going to be taking him to the hole. <laughs> One day. <laughs> yep, one day. Hey, good luck. Great to talk to you. Appreciate the time. Congrats on your success. And I know you're going to look sweet in the J.C. Penny suit, so uh, have a big smile on that draft night. Yeah, for sure. Thank you. Up next, Cam Reddish, now an Atlanta Hawk. This is Reddish before the draft. The NBA draft, Cam Reddish coming out of Duke University where he knew he would be for a long time. Cam, when did you first know that you and Coach K were going to be a thing? I, I know you, you wrote about it uh, in the Players' Tribune, and it was something you wanted for a long time. How old exactly were you? 16 years old when I first realized I wanted to go there. Yeah, probably 16, maybe 17. Yeah, and, and now and now that you've done it, what, what's the hardest part about leaving? Um, I would say the hardest part of leaving Duke is probably leaving uh, the brother of Brian, um, obviously. Um, I had a ton of friends there, and um, I learned a lot while I was there. So I would say even, even behind, you know, just a group of guys and the brotherhood. Biggest thing you learned from Coach K? Um, I would say how to be a pro, um, you know, how to manage your time. And, um, I would say everything you, you need to know to be a pro, uh, I got from him. Yeah. So uh, the NBA draft coming up here. Now you're working with J.C. Penny. You're going to have a sweet customized suit with a little personalized liner. What can you tell us about your look on draft night, Cam? Um, well, I will tell you that typically I'm kind of a more, you know, laid back kind of, kind of guy and kind of a clean cut style, style kind of dude, but I feel like, you know, on the draft and the one most, you know, biggest night of my life, um, I want to kind of have more of an exciting look and a loud look, you know, to my, to my, uh, suit. Um, so yeah, I'll be obviously, uh, partnering with JC Penny, um, to do a customized suit and, um, a JF suit, um, to be. Specific. So. so you would say then on, on draft night we're going to move from ex, uh, introvert cam to extrovert cam perhaps? Yeah. <laughs> that sounds about right, yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, I, and, and by the way, just for the record, there, there's, there's nothing wrong with being an introvert cam. It's, everybody's allowed to have their own personality. You just want to have that on the record, all right? Yeah. But you, you, get, you, get, you get banged on for that a lot. I, I, it bothers you a little bit, does it not? Uh, times here, though. Have, have NBA teams been asking you about uh, your personality a lot? I'm assuming, I assume they want to get to know you. Oh, yeah, they asked me a ton about it. Yeah. And what have you said? I mean, I tell them that that's who I am as a person. Uh, but it doesn't affect, you know, who I am, who I am on the court. It's just, you know, kind of how I just grew up. Right. I make a huge deal out of it. You... Correct me if I'm wrong here. You you're an early riser and and you get on the court 6 a.m. Do you still do that? Yeah, I try to for the most part. W where does that motivation come from? I mean, 6 a.m. is pretty early. 
Yeah, uh, I guess my parents, I think, um, both of them are extremely hardworking. They always got up early to, you know, be productive. So uh, I definitely get that from them. Yeah. Uh, let's rewind back 2015 if, if we can. You're, you're trying to make the, the men's under-16 national team, and you get cut. And here you, go, here you are. I mean, you knew super early that uh, basketball was going to be your path. That particular moment in time, did that, maybe does that stand out as something that motivated you more than anything else as far as, you know what, I just got to work harder and harder and harder? Oh, absolutely. Uh, that was definitely a tough, you know, a tough moment for me. Um, I know I had worked hard, but it, it uh, made me stronger. Uh, helped me to keep, you know, continue to keep pushing. Obviously, next year I was able to come back and make the team, so I'm um, definitely did motivate me a little bit. Yeah. So how did your dad coach you growing up? I know he, he wasn't coddling you at all. Nah, not at all. Um, he was definitely hard on me because um, he knew what I was capable of doing, and you know I had you know a lot of God-given abilities that you know most don't. So he just you know he tried to push me day in and day out, and obviously I was just young. Um, so we were getting into it you know at times, but you know, it, was, it was all love. Did you guys play one-on-one? Maybe a couple times throughout you know my childhood, but you know not often. Do you remember the first time you beat him? Oh, I do. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> how old were you? Uh, I don't remember how old I was. I might have been. Ah, 12-13. Yeah. I mean, people may not know that your dad, Rob, played uh, college basketball for VCU, so we're, we're talking about, uh, you know, we're talking about a baller here. That's not exactly an easy, an easy win for a youngster, but you were able to get it done. Yeah, I got it done. <laughs> <laughs> and, and your mom was a, a principal at a high school, is that right? Yep. No, elementary school. Elementary school, okay. But she was a principal at school. Yeah, still is. It still is, okay. So academics had to be fairly important in your household, I would assume. Extremely important, yep. Yeah. I plan on going back and getting my degree, for sure. Um, so it's definitely, you know, a big priority in my life. You're going to go back to Duke and get your degree? Sooner than later, yep. Do you know what you want to get it in? Not yet. Okay. But, no, so I got you know, a little bit of time to decide. Was, was, was that part of the conversation with your folks, like when you decided to go to the NBA, hey, you will be going back and getting that degree, young Cam? Uh, it wasn't. It wasn't much of a you know, discussion. It's kind of a you know, mutual want, so um, it's just a matter of time, really. Yeah, I, I watched your uh, your doc, the documentary Wheat Town, uh, which is uh, you know you you played uh, for Westtown High School after you know for your last three years. They you had daily chores, correct? You were playing hoop. You're going to school. Just talk about that experience, and you had some great guys on that team. We've had Mo Bamba on the show. I'm a huge fan of Mo. I mean, just a super interesting guy. What, what, what was that whole experience like for you? Yeah, that experience was, I mean, it was phenomenal. I mean, every single day, competition was top-notch. And, um, so just being able to learn from them and compete against them every single day, definitely elevated my game. And, um, obviously, living there prepared me for, for college. Um, so it was definitely an experience that was a uh, Definitely needed. What, what kind of chores did you have? Uh, typical chores, whatever you think of. Um, washing dishes, uh, cleaning, cleaning around the dorm, just small stuff, nothing too major. Right. Uh, all right, let's talk about Duke but real quick before you get out of here. Are you motivated to, you know, everyone's got Zion and RJ going ahead of you in the draft. I'm thinking if I'm you... I would want to prove that I, I'm rooting for my guys, but I'd also want to prove that, you know, in the long run, I'm going to be better than them. That's a question. Well, I'm just curious if that's something that motivates you. Um, I mean, my family motivates me. I motivate myself. They're two great players. Um, but at the end of the day, I'm trying to be the best me I could possibly be. You know, when it's all said and done, um, 
that's you know, that's the end goal. Fair enough. Competing against those guys, I'm assuming last year was a big help for you. In practice, I mean, you, you got so much talent uh, around you. Oh yeah, of course. I'm um, learning from those guys, you know, their ways and stuff like that was great. Uh, we didn't compete as much as we expected to. We, in the summertime, we played all the time, uh, but you know, during, during the season, we were mostly on the same team. Fair enough. You have any guess where you're going, Cam? You got a, you got a sense of it? Mm, nope. Is it keep, <laughs> is it keeping you up at night? No. So wherever, wherever you go, you're gonna you're uh, you're, you're gonna be the best player you can possibly be. Who who name one NBA guy that you model yourself after, if anyone? Um, when I was younger, I really used to watch a lot of Kevin Durant. Um, but you know, at this point, just strictly Cam Reddish. So. Did you? Learn anything from what happened to KD last night? You got, he's trying to get back on the court and put himself out there and, and getting hurt. It was just such a terrible thing to see. Um, I mean, yeah, obviously he's a warrior and a fighter. Um, but at the end of the day, you got to take care of your body. You know what's best for your body. Yeah. Um, and just hopefully he has a speedy recovery. So. Yeah. All right, and last one, Cam. You're, I know you had lunch back uh, with LeBron a while back. What, what was the... Maybe the number one message that you remember from sitting with LeBron, a guy who had so much on his shoulders when he was young. Uh, you've had the same stuff. You've been in the spotlight since you know you were sixth, seventh grade, whatnot. Uh, what did LeBron tell you? Um, very similar to actually what I kind of just touched on. Um, a lot of nutrition stuff, a lot of diet stuff. Um, make sure you're taking care of yourself, more and off the court. And um, just being you know, the best person, having a lot of great character, and um, just you know a lot, of, a lot of things um, that you know you would want from a, a great elite player. All right, Cam. Just to let you know, fan side, it's based in Chicago. I'm expecting you to be a bull, number seven overall. So we'll see you at the United Center, all right? <laughs> who had the best draft? Who did awful? Who is the man? Ian Levy, senior NBA editor at The Step Back, joins us now. <laughs> Ian Levy, senior NBA editor, as we look at the... 2019 NBA draft here on on the mark with Mark Carmen. Thanks for checking out the podcast. Who do you think did the best, Ian? If you're if you're looking at it overall, uh, grading it out, what team do you think, uh, or who impressed you the most with how they went about their draft day? I think the Pelicans did a great job. I mean, obviously, you sort of have to factor in the haul from the from the Anthony Davis trades. So you got to roll in Lonzo Ball and, and Brandon Ingram, but I think they they did a nice job of of getting the guys that they wanted. Um, you know, getting some young talent to put around Zion Williamson, but, um, you know, also making sure that, that there's some scaffolding there for him. I think uh, Alexander Walker, who they picked up at 17, is going to be a really useful piece for them off the bench over the next couple of years, too. Um, and I think the, the Grizzlies uh, just did a fantastic job. Uh, you know, I, I maybe not as high on, on John Morant as uh, some people are, but I think that was the obvious pick for them. I think that was the right pick for them at number two. I think he made more sense than, than R.J. Barrett. Uh, and and jumping back in to get Brandon Clark at, at number 21, I think, was a really, a really high-value pick. Um, he's going to be a sensational defender. Uh, he's going to be fantastic next to Jaron Jackson Jr. Um, and he's a really nice passer, too. He's a guy who can sort of operate around the elbows and in the middle of the floor, um, you know, can offer some vertical spacing as a lob threat in the pick and roll. Uh, and that's going to let them move Jaron Jackson around the floor a little bit more, leverage his shooting, and, and um, you know, make sure John Morant has lots of nice screen partners for pick and roll action. Who would you look at and say, what the hell are you doing? Uh, Phoenix. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, uh, this was not um, 
you know, I'm certainly not the first one to point out that, uh, you know, jumping up to get Cam Johnson at 11 uh, was really bizarre. I don't, I don't recall seeing any big boards that had him as a lottery pick. Um, you know, I, I think on our, uh, on our last big board, he was like in the mid forties. So, you know, he's, I, I don't want to uh, denigrate him. You know, he's, I think he's going to be a useful player. He's six foot nine. He's going to be a great shooter, can shoot off the move. Uh, the question is, you know, if he can defend well enough to, to um, you know, sort of stay on the floor in big moments, but, you know, he's a guy that they could have jumped back in and gotten almost anywhere. You know, they could have, uh, 21 where Memphis jumped back in. They could have gotten Cam Johnson there yeah. uh, and, and traded up to get him. And that still might have, have been a reach. You know, they might have been able to get him at the beginning of the first round. So, you know, it just it didn't make any sense in terms of opportunity cost. Um, I think also the Pacers, you know, sadly was a little confusing. Um, taking uh, Goga Batadze at 18, you know, a European center, a really high skill player, um, you know, that was a value pick for them at 18, but considering they already have two centers on the roster, Miles Turner and uh, DeMonta Sabonis, and already, uh, you know, are sort of struggling, they can't play those two guys together. Um, so I think it's clear that one of them's probably going to be traded this summer. And even then, they're still kind of in the same situation where, you know, two of their three best players are centers maybe, and they can't have them on the floor at the same time. Is there uh, any second-round pick that you are betting on big time to have a successful career? Um, there were a lot of interesting guys there. I know a lot of people like Nick Claxton. You know, he slipped right out of the first round. He was the first pick of the second round. Um, you know, big body, has some shooting touch, and could be could be really helpful uh, for the um, for the Brooklyn Nets. Um, I think Daniel Gafford's another interesting guy. He ended up uh, with the Chicago Bulls. Uh, you know, guy who uh, could have been a lottery pick uh, a year ago, decided to come back, didn't develop much at Arkansas, but big body, athletic, uh, you know, knows his role. He's going to be a rim protector and a rim runner. Um, and on that team, you know, I think they'll need some energy bigs. And, you know, he's I think he's a guy who could impress off the bench in, you know, 15, 20 minutes a game over the next couple of years. So you're not buying into Bull Bull? I, the fact that he slid so far and and nobody was willing to take a risk on him sooner makes me think that there was something really troubling in his um, in his medical report. Uh, you know, he's his strengths and weaknesses were were pretty clear and pretty well known, and I think he would have made sense for somebody to take a swing on earlier. Maybe not a lottery pick, but as you got into the end of that first round and people were kind of uh, you know, throwing things around, getting a little bit wild. I think he's a guy who would have made sense there uh, for a number of different teams if you had confidence that he was going to be healthy. And so the fact that he slipped into second round and the middle of the second round of that makes me think teams were really concerned about his health. So, you know, he, he's an interesting player. He's got as much upside as anybody in the second round. But, you know, if he can't get on the floor, it doesn't matter. Outside of Cam Johnson going to Phoenix, who do you think was the most overdrafted player in the first round? Cam Johnson was was a stretch. Oh, Rui Hachimura. I mean, that was a disaster. Um, you know, the the Wizards taking him nine, you know, two picks ahead of Cam Johnson. He's another guy uh, who was kind of all over the map on mocks. You know, some people had him, you know, as a first round pick or even a lottery pick. I know on our big board at uh, the step back, he was in the mid forties. Um, and the question was. 
uh, you know, he might be the worst defensive player in the draft. Uh, you know, his awareness was was uh, just awful. You know, fundamentals really uh, sort of out of sorts. Didn't add anything at the defensive end. And on offense, he kind of has this this antiquated skill set. You know, he had a nice three point percentage this year, but it was on a really low number of attempts. I don't think you can really count on that uh, translating necessarily. Um, and then he was a guy who took advantage of, of mismatches. You know, he bullied smaller players if you tried to put a wing on him. Uh, and he was quick quick enough to beat bigs. Uh, and I don't think he'll have either of those advantages when he gets to the NBA level. The wings are going to be strong enough to deal with him. The bigs are going to be faster. Uh, and so, you know, I think he's a guy who... Uh, you know, if all he's going to do is score, I don't think he's really equipped to do that efficiently. And um, yeah, I think the I think the Wizards are going to be pretty disappointed with that one. Ian Levy, senior NBA editor of the Step. Before I let Ashley get at you here, just one: Did the Bulls, in your mind, I think Kobe White was the obvious pick for him. I'm just curious what you think uh, his capabilities will be. Yeah, I think he's a nice fit for them. You know, it seemed like they wanted to get a point guard. He's a much better defensive player than uh, Morant or Garland and certainly has more upside at that end. Um, and that's, you know, important uh, for the Bulls with the, the roster they're putting together, you know, with Zach Levine in the starting lineup and, you know, Larry Markkinen, uh, you know, if he's going to play four, they've got some defensive issues that they sort of need to cover up. And so making sure there's no other negatives in their, in their lineup is really important. Um I don't think he's a guy who's necessarily going to, uh, you know, become a, a multi-time all, multi-time all-star or or really change the fortunes of the franchise. But he fits in nicely with the pieces, the young pieces that they already have in place. Uh, he complements, uh, you know, what everybody else does well, um, and he's I think he's versatile enough that you could sort of develop him into a couple of different things. And so the, the Bulls will have some choices, you know, of how they ask him to play and, you know, what they ask him to focus on for the next two years. But yeah, I think that was, a, I think that was probably the right pick there for them. And, and uh, yeah, good value. Fair enough. And Ian, we're shifting gears a little bit here. The NBA awards are tonight. And one of my favorite topics to talk about is the MVP award. You got Giannis in the mix, James Harden, and we'll throw Paul George the nod too. But I'm talking about Giannis. James Harden, who are you picking for MVP? Uh, my choice would be Giannis. Just um, I, I would factor in what the Bucks did this year collectively. Uh, that team just sort of, of uh, leaping up to another level, and so much of that uh, rested on Giannis's shoulders. You can make the same argument for Harden. I think uh, if you want to talk about uh, objective arguments. There's really no line to draw between them. You know, they both had incredible numbers. They both played on incredible teams. Both teams relied, um, you know, uh, almost exclusively on their on their talents to sort of power everything that they did. But uh, I just found Giannis is a little more impressive, a little more interesting uh, to watch this year. So I'll give the award to him. Ian, great stuff. You're awesome. Look forward to uh, talking to you during free agency. Kawhi better stay in Toronto. I'll have a meltdown. Uh, great, to, great to talk to you about the draft, man. Sounds great. Thanks. Thanks for listening. Thanks for checking out the podcast. Please subscribe. Leave a rating. I greatly, greatly appreciate it. Tell a friend as well. Thanks to Ian Levy. Thanks to Cam Reddish. Thank you to Kobe White, now a Chicago Bull. Thanks to Hunter Armour. Ashley Young, you are awesome. Alex Savis, you're the best. This has been On the Mark with Mark Carmen. <laughs>